Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with uh, Aram, who's going to share a little bit more on her uh, experience with, with nursing. And we thought we'd talk about getting a job as a nurse. So we've talked about in previous episodes on uh, nursing school and qualities of a good nurse and things like that. But what about actually the, the job hunt? And, and uh, after you've kind of gone through your schooling, how easy or difficult is it to get a job? So uh, if you wouldn't mind t- taking us through some of the uh, considerations and, and the stuff you wish you knew earlier as you were job hunting in, in, uh, from, from a nursing perspective, it would be great to, to hear what folks could uh, look forward to or, uh, or be challenged with uh, as they go through the process. So, so what is a typical job hunt process for a nurse look like? So typically when you're job hunting, you know, you're going to see, ner- you, you type in some words like nursing jobs, jobs for nurses, whatever, you know, whatever you put in your search engine. And then whatever comes up is tons of jobs. But the problem is, is what's the right type of job, right? Because you've just graduated from nursing school. So technically speaking, it should be entry level position um, as a nurse. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, the jobs out there are also for, you know, individuals who have had years of experience, such as myself, or those who have had like 20 plus years experience and, and, and onwards. But, you know, there, you know, there's jobs, there's tons of jobs that pop up, you know, it could be travel nursing, it could be, you know, come work with us in the US or come work up north, it could be come work at a Botox clinic or units looking for jobs. So, you know, as, as an entry level nurse, you know, the first thing that most people do and in terms of the instinct is let's apply everywhere. But I think what's really important at this time is what are they looking for? And do you have those qualifications? Mm -hmm. So I think what's really important is the resume um, writing aspect and looking at yourself and seeing, okay, what is it that I have? And if I want this type of a position or a job, what is it that um, I need to do? What is it that I need to acquire? So I think that's, um, those are some really important aspects because if you're going for an advanced level job as a intro or a, an entry level nurse, you know, you have to sit down and, and look at what would be required as well as experiences, as well as, um, you know, no experience in the field versus you know, having uh, that experience in the clinical practicum because clinical practicum experience is a good experience, but it's not like work experience. Right. So we were, we were talking before on something called the, the NCLEX exam. So how, how does that factor into the job search? So is, is that really just to complete your program or do like, um, do, do employers take a look at your, your scores and, and, and your results of that? Or, or can, can you describe a little bit about uh, that, that process? So the NCLEX exam is um, a must completion. So once you finish your program with the university that you're at, um, typically what happens is that your school will be sending off um, all your completion requirements over to your College of Nurses of Ontario or to um, the, well, if you're in the United States, for example, they'll be sending it off to whatever state um, that you're part of in terms of um, 
you know, obtaining a license. So the NCLEX exam is what is necessary to be completed prior to obtaining your nursing license. And the NCLEX usually stands for national, um, I believe it's, um, it's the national licensure examination. So it's the national council examination that you have to write and you have to successfully pass that examination. So when your schools send off all your grades or all of your completions in terms of like your courses and everything, and they state that you have successfully completed this program, you're ready to graduate, your council or your, um, your college um, of the Nurses of Ontario, the College of uh, Nurses of Ontario or the CNO for, for Ontario, will have a look at that and say, okay, this individual is eligible to write this examination, has that requirements to do so. They've gone to an accredited nursing school. Um, they've completed the program, say, in English um, or French or whatever it is. Um, if it's in Canada, um, you know, they need to see they, that they've uh, successfully passed the program, and, and that, you know, they're, they're going to be writing it in a few months. So the difference now is that you can actually book when you're ready. Okay. Because back in the day, before the NCLEX started, NCLEX is actually an American exam. They actually had the CRNE. So that was the Canadian Registered Nurses Examination. And that was actually set at specific times. So you only had a few chances to write that exam. You had three chances to write that exam. If you failed all three attempts, they would actually call you back and have a meeting in front of like a, a council, like a committee or a panel to discuss uh, why you failed that examination. Now it's a little different. They've actually become a little more lenient in the process. However, I mean, you could have as multiple attempts as possible to write this exam, but in doing so also requires time, effort, and money. So sure. you'd have to be paying every single time that you write this exam. So when they, when they deem you eligible to write this examination, it's now up to you to book when you're ready to write this exam. So now you actually have to study for this exam. So this includes all the years in nursing school that you've been through. Um, there are prep courses and materials that you can purchase to study for this examination. And I can give a few recommendations. Um, but, um, you know, all, all study styles also vary. Mm -hmm. So um, the examination is basically at a testing center. Um, and again, it could vary on dates, times, um, and places where you go, depending on, I guess, where the nearest location is to you. And it's actually a computer scored um, examination. It's a computer um, generated examination. Okay. So, you know, they'll um, ask you to put your things away. They'll take your fingerprints. They'll take palm prints. Um, it's actually pretty intense. It's very, very serious. They'll ask you to sign forms. You're not allowed to have any equipment on you, no calculators, no pens, nothing at all. Um, they will be monitoring you strictly in a very high security stringent system. Um, will you be asked to seated into that examination room? And then you'll have a pair of headphones on and um, you know, they give you an option to use earbuds um, instead if you just don't want those. If you don't want the headphones, you can you know put the uh, earbuds in or the um, 
those uh, little, those, I guess, I don't know exactly what you call them, but they're, they're to block out sound other than the headphones. Like if you, right. if you really Earpl feel like you're having, yeah, earplugs. So, you know, um, you have those and then, you know, they kind of give you um, a few questions, not really questions, but they're more like test questions for you to understand how the examination is going to work because they have SATA. So select all that apply questions. They have um, multiple choice questions. They have a, a variety of questions that are available. So they, they kind of get you used to that. And that's something that's kind of expected for you to understand prior to writing this examination. So, you know, you're in there, they'll tell you, okay, so you're going to be writing the exam. There's, there's usually a total of about maybe 225, 250 questions approximately. Wow, okay. um, the minimum cutoff is 75 questions, but now due to the circumstances of COVID, they're trying to reduce the exposure times in these testing centers and obviously to reduce transmission. So now I believe it's 65, but um, it's all computer generated. And so after you go through the uh, mini tests that they have at the beginning, they will actually warn you and say, okay, so now you're actually going to be starting the NCLEX exam, of which you have um, several hours to complete. So you, um, you'll you go in, you know, you'll write your exam, you take your time, there is no option to go back. So once oh. you've clicked the answer, and once you go forward, you have to continue going forward. It's not like back in the old days, when I wrote one, I mean, I've written both exams um, for the sake of expanding myself and broadening my horizons to go international. But back in the day, you know, when we wrote our CRNE, it was paper, pencil and Scantron, and you only had like maybe three, four hours tops with 200 and something questions. Yeah. Now you get about four to six hours for, you know, um, and of course, unlimited attempts as well. So, um, you know, you're there, you're writing the exam, you can't go back on the question once you click that answer and you hit forward, that's it, the answer is submitted. Wow. Um, they will give you a series of questions, they're just random questions. These are all things that you should know as an entry level nurse. Um, and if they feel that you're answering high on a certain percentage um, on questions, the computer will automatically cut you off at that point. So if you, if the computer feels you're doing well, in most circumstances, if they feel you're doing well, they'll cut you off at 75 questions. Okay. Yeah. If you keep going, don't panic. It's okay. Um, you know, there's still room for improvement in that time period. So some people get caught off, say at 80 questions, maybe just took five more questions for you to kind of, to make it. It could be 90 questions. It could be a hundred questions. Some people have to finish all questions, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily failed that exam. And so once you're done, um, and of course, this is a highly secured, um, stringent environment that's very um, tightly secured, there is a camera in each booth. So security will be watching you. And once you've completed the exam, um, sometimes there, er there are extra optional research questions. So they'll give you clinical scenarios and you can do, they don't count towards the exam, but they give you an idea of how you would practice as a nurse. Hmm. So they're very interesting questions. They're SATA questions, they're multiple choice questions. Sometimes they're matching questions as well. Um, but in any case, once you've completed the exam, the security 
uh, guard will come over or, you know, the security team will um, ask you to say, okay, you have completed your exam. We're going to escort you out of the exam now. You can now go and get your things and you're going to be leaving the facility immediately because they don't want disclosure of the exam. That's why. Wow, that's uh, quite intense. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like <laughs> high security when you have security guards and things like that, can't bring anything and all that. And it, it, the interesting part that, that, that I found was that uh, if you're doing well, they actually might stop the exam early because they realize, okay, yeah, they're, they're probably in good shape. So it goes to uh, like starting the exam outright, making sure that you're kind of cool, calm and collected and able to, to um, a- answer well at the beginning. And uh, it, that makes things easier, but it, it, you are, um, you have the possibility of uh, still passing even if you have to complete every single question. I think that that's new. I haven't heard of, of, of uh, course systems um, that are there. Um, for, for the exam, how much of it is covered in kind of the, the regular schooling that you have? Or is there additional material or additional rigor? Or is it more of like the, um, the prep exams are more like how they ask the questions and it can help you that? So, so how much of it is, is the test versus what you learn in, in, your, uh, in nursing school? Well, I think it's actually a mixture of both. Okay. However, um, being that it is more of an American-based exam, I would say it's more highly centered and focused on um, the um, prep materials that you have to study for it, just because there could be more extensive things that you need to study. Like they won't teach you about arrhythmias completely in nursing school. So that's kind of like a responsibility that you have on your own and you may be tested on that. Another thing would be, for example, um, labor and delivery, like maternity kind type of questions. Um, some of them, however, like, I mean, when you're doing the prep exams and the courses, um, you know, they, the, the questions are hard. They have a level of difficulty, but of course they want you to be able to have strong critical thinking skills right so that's the whole purpose of the exam right they have to know that you know your you know your stuff and you're ready to practice but of course in addition with that NCLEX exam is how well you also perform when you're out in the field right Right. um however i would heavily suggest um not only nursing experience but and and your academia your experience from your academics but I think what's really important is to get the prep materials or the programs to help you study for this exam, just because they'll give you uh, the information on the tidbits on um, the style and presentation of the questions, mm-hmm. how to answer the questions, why you would select certain answers versus the other ones that you wouldn't select. So that that's my advice on it. Cool. And and. Uh, this is a purely kind of computer-based written exam. There, there's no kind of clinical portion where they would escort you to another part of it and say, like, diagnose this person. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. No, no. Okay. So uh, after, after that, what would you suggest is kind of a good, I guess, time frame to start studying for this thing? Is, is that something where uh, after you've done your nursing school, really, you can uh, over a weekend or is it like months or is it like, no, you should start in year one <laughs> studying for this thing? <laughs> um, well, I don't think it's a bad idea to start from day one. Sure. But remember, you're going to be so busy that you're going to be, you know, focused on clinicals. You're going to be focused on, you know, taking your courses and studying for exams and writing that big paper or doing that major research paper that you have to submit. So I wouldn't really say from day one or year one. Um, Can it be done over a weekend? Um, In a rare instance, can someone actually do that? Um, 
you know, some people decide to take a few months off prior to writing that exam. And that's totally fine too, because again, each person with their circumstance. So that's, you know, that's understandable. Um, most people typically take about a few months, sometimes only one month. And that's if you're religiously studying every single day right. and you're doing practice questions. So the key is doing practice questions. And I would also say what really helps is when you're answering the questions and when they give you a score at the end of your test. So you have options with the programs that I'm about to uh, introduce you to and explain to you about is um, you have options in terms of the number of questions you want to test yourself on every single day. Okay. So some people choose 80, some people do 100, some people just go down into 50, and some people really slow down and do maybe 10 to 25 questions a day. Okay. I wouldn't really worry about the score at the end. If you have a high score, it probably means you have a good understanding. If you have a low score, it just means you need some areas of improvement, but the score and the number, I wouldn't worry about. Don't worry about the score and the number that you have in terms of like, you know, the end of um, that practice test that you have. Focus on what is it that you got wrong and how can you improve on that? Study the rationales behind the answer. Why is it this answer and not that answer? That's really important to understand in, in answering the questions, but also applying it to your, um, you know, your nursing practice in the future. So I think that's really important. And, you know, you had asked earlier if NCLEX scores really do count in job interviews. Mm. They don't count. Okay. No. The main important thing is, did you pass the examination and do you have your license? Once you successfully pass this exam, um, those scores in each area, whatever they've tested you on, are going to be submitted to your council if you're in the United States, or they're going to be submitted to the College of Nurses of Ontario or uh, whatever affiliated college you are, um, you know, affiliated based on the province you live in. Um, and, you know, they'll say, okay, this is a pass, so we're now going to um, administer the license mm -hmm. to you. And of course, there's a separate fee for that license as well. So really, this is a, a, a pass-fail type of exam where you pass, and, and it might not be a 50% pass, it might be like a 75-80% pass or whatever. Um, but once you get beyond that, uh, it, it, the, the, whether, even if you got perfect, it probably wouldn't influence things um, much in terms of jobs and then uh, additional licensing. But um, yeah, so, so a, lot of, a lot of effort. If you were to kind of suggest um, someone to kind of book their uh, appointment in advance, like how many months would you suggest? Is it, is it like a three months, four months, or, or like, it's really, I guess, based on uh, people's learning styles and, 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 um, and, and how comfortable they are with the material? Yes, I think it's based on learning styles and how comfortable you are with the material, whether you have short term versus long term memory. And I think it's also the motivation. Sure. So say if you're only able to, you know, um, obtain an exam appointment and say, two months, but you wanted it to be in four months, you if you're only able to obtain that appointment in two months, say in the exams in the morning or the afternoon or whatever the case may be, um, you need to be able to motivate yourself to say, okay, I also have a part-time job. So I'm going to dedicate these days off into studying. And this is how I'm going to study. And this is what I'm going to do. So that's my piece of advice into it. Cool. 
so after you've taken your your NCLEX and hopefully you've gone through all of that <laughs> rigor and uh, paid the licensing fee and now you're you're licensed and registered and th then that's the point where you can start applying as as uh, as kind of a registered nurse for uh, all of the, those different positions. So uh, is it kind of a, like a standard job search where you just go on like job boards like Indeed and and LinkedIn and things like that, or are there like different areas specific for a nurse where they would go looking for for roles and jobs? So, I mean, now that you have the big RN title, so congratulations, <laughs> Cats, now yeah. that you finally, that you finally have that title and you can add that at the end of your name, yep. <clears throat> which is awesome. So you can use um, LinkedIn, you can use Indeed, you can use, you know, Google job search, you can use ZipRecruiter, whatever you want to use. Sometimes actually going on the hospital websites also help. They have options for, you know, external and internal applicants. And the one that you're obviously going to click on is the external applicants link. Right. So that's where you start your job hunt. And, you know, you don't need to state that you've passed your NCLEX exam. I mean, unless, um, you know, you're someone that wrote your CRNE and you, you know, you want to state it on there, you know, that you did both exams, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. But it's the main thing that counts is, where are you licensed on your resume? So if you're licensed in Ontario, then you would state you're in good standing with the College of Nurses in Ontario and that you're, you, you have an RN license and you're licensed in Ontario. But if you're additionally licensed elsewhere, then you can say, for instance, British Columbia as well, licensed in Ontario and British Columbia, licensed in Ontario and New Jersey. You know, those are that's that's what's most important. It's not even the score or the fact that you, you know, I wrote the NCLEX exam. It's like, okay, you wrote the NCLEX exam, but do you actually have the license? Like, did you pay the fee for the license? That's what's, you know, important. And of course, are you in good standing? Not that you have, you know, that you're being reprimanded for your license, not that you have a judgment against you on your license, you know, um, that's what's really important. So now that you're, you know, you have your license, you've written the exam. The question is, is how do you, you know, go about in applying jobs? So you can go on different search engines. You can go on hospital websites. Sometimes what's also useful is I find that if you've worked or you've had, sorry, a clinical practicum or a placement and you had a good um, rapport with the unit manager, you can actually reach out to them and ask them, um, you know, are you looking for someone? Are you interested in hiring a new grad? You know, I... I graduated, I wrote my NCLEX exam successfully, I now have my license. If you're not hiring right now, please consider me for the future. And if they don't respond right away, that's okay too. I mean, they may eventually respond, but keep applying everywhere. Just go around and just keep applying. You know, it doesn't hurt to apply to other roles. At least you tried. That's what's really, really important is that you made that attempt, you made that effort, but also you have to look realistically what they're asking for. If you're not experienced as a Botox injector, well, maybe chances are they're probably not going to hire you for that. If you're someone that has not had five years of experience, you're probably not going to be considered for that job as opposed to someone who has had five to 10 years of experience and probably has, you know, a few more little qualifications on their resume. But does that mean that it should, you know, um, restrict you from applying to other jobs? No, absolutely not. This is how the experience builds. You have to get out there. You need to, you know, go out there. And they're always looking for nurses. Nursing is a profession where they're always in high demand. They're always looking for nurses 
everywhere. Um, it could be now with the pandemic, they're looking for public health nurses, but, um, you know, a lot of those positions have been filled because they've been looking for more like, you know, individuals with a couple of years of experience, mm -hmm. but they're looking for, you know, new grads and, and, you know, new individuals in like, you know, uh, cardiology, um, acute medicine, um, you know, general medicine, nephrology units, there's, you know, hospitals that are being expanded. For example, there's Humber Hospital, Humber River Hospital. There's uh, McKenzie Health with the Cordellucci Center. You know, they're expanding and opening up these new centers. So they're looking for people. And so I would heavily encourage, you know, for for individuals to just go out there. And if there's there's places that are having, you know, new expansions everywhere, put your resume in. It's amazing. And, and would you say it's, it's worthwhile to start applying even before you, you pass your NCLEX exam or is it not even worthwhile because they really focus on are you registered and licensed uh, before they even start taking a look at you? I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, again, if you had, if you were at a clinical practicum at a nursing home, on a unit, wherever it may have been, a clinic, and if the manager states to you, okay, well, you know, I'll keep you in consideration provided that, and the condition is, it's a conditional offer right. that, you know, they may allow you to have a temporary license. Sometimes that may work too, but again, you have to get in touch with the council or you have to get in touch with your college of nurses and ask them what the procedure is with that. Um, sometimes they do grant it and other times not, mm -hmm. but most places, I would say 99% of the time, they want you to they want to ensure that the individual that they're hiring has successfully passed their NCLEX exam, but has also obtained um, a license to practice legally. It's all about legality. Of course, yeah. I guess for, for, for that license, and you mentioned it's based on kind of province or state uh, in the US, like how difficult or, or challenging is, let's say you got licensed in Ontario, but I want to move to BC, right? How, how difficult is it uh, for, for me to kind of uh, get a new license in the other one? Is, or do I have to rewrite another NCLEX or, or a different one? Or how does that process, if, if you know? As far as I know, there is definitely no extra requirement to write another NCLEX exam. Okay. You've written the exam, you have the license. But in terms of transferring licenses is a bit of a different story. So in order to practice in British Columbia, you have to have, so if you're transferring say from Ontario to British Columbia, you'd have to get in touch with um, the college there and ask them what the process would be um, in either transferring your license or obtaining a new license. So they probably would need a copy of your Ontario license. Maybe they wanna have a look at you know, the scores from your NCLEX exam. So they'd have to obtain it from that, from the college. Um, and then they probably would just have to process it from there just to make sure, you know, just to ensure that the individual that's going to be licensed to practice there has, you know, graduated from an accredited nursing college or university, um, that the person has passed the NCLEX exam, that the person actually and legitimately has a license in Ontario and they've been practicing there. And, you know, if they're coming in to the province to practice in British Columbia, Again, it's all about legality. Right. So I would heavily suggest that you contact the college. In the United States, it's a little different. Um, and it's also based on state because each state, you know, they have what's called walkthrough states and then there's the non-walkthrough states. And they're still trying to work on that. So some licenses, if you're licensed in the United States already, 
you can actually transfer your license to that state without heavy troubles. It might just be a few paperwork and just a bit of paperwork involved. But if you're going from Canada to the United States and you're going to a specific state, each state has its requirements. So if you didn't write a, you know, NCLEX exam, you're going to have to get in touch with that council. You're going to have to, you know, get your um, a copy of your degree, you know, a copy of your current license in Ontario, whatever it is, have all that accreditation stuff sent down to that council. Um, they may ask you to take a small online class on, say, for example, child abuse. Um, it may be on ethics. It really depends on the state. Um, they may ask you to write a jurisprudence exam based on like laws. It would be probably like an online exam, maybe a small course where you write like a 10, 15 question quiz, obtain those certificates. Um, they may need proof of, you know, um, like a scanned copy of your passport. Um, if you're actually planning to reside in the United States, for example, are you a permanent resident? Are you a conditional permanent resident? Um, you know, are you know, are you a work permit? What exactly is it? They might want copies of that. Once they've gone through that, you know, then they'll approve you to write your NCLEX. Or if you've already written the NCLEX and they've seen that you know they've successfully passed the exam, they have a license, they were actively practicing. Now they just want to transfer over here then they'll uh, dispense a parchment or what they call a small parchment or a, uh, a copy of a license. And then of course you can take it from, take matters from there and then start applying to uh, healthcare facilities and hospitals in the United States or in that specific state. Cool, so it sounds like it really depends uh, province to province, state by state. Some of them make it easier depending on what is kind of at the same level of, of uh, regulations or accreditation or whatever for that particular state. Uh, some of them are a little bit more involved where you might actually have to take additional courses or uh, certifications and things like that. So yeah, um, so just be aware if you're licensed in a different state or province to, that if you're moving, uh, you might need to go through um, a few things in order to do that. So, all right, so, so if you've been applying to jobs, you have a resume, um, you've been uh, putting it out there, sending out some cover letters, hopefully you've, you've leveraged your network in terms of connecting with folks to see if, if there's any opportunities there. But uh, what are some of the other considerations for that job search um, that, that, that you would have in terms of other ways to be successful, to help your resume stand out or things like that? Or is there anything that you'd have suggestions for in that regard? Well, I think I don't think it hurts to put a, an objective on there, like, you know, what is your objective? What is your career goal? Something very simple, straightforward, you know, that you're somebody that's, you know, willing to be committed into the profession and you're and you're looking for a job and you're doing that through, you know, the skills that you have. That's like, you know, that's a very um, shortened version of it. Um, you know, the other thing is your education, you know. If you're someone direct from high school going into nursing, you don't need to state that you have your um, OSSD or anything like that. You just need to state your, your post-secondary education. Um, if you've done a graduate degree for individuals that are watching this podcast right now and you have a graduate degree, that's really important to put on there as well. Um, other things would be uh, professional certifications and licenses. So definitely you're a member of the College of Nurses of Ontario or you're a member of uh, a college or a council in the United States. Um, it may be a professional council that you're part of. Um, are you certified in basic life support? Um, do you have advanced life support? 
Do you have pediatric advanced life support? Again, it really varies on the positions that you're applying for because that's what a lot of individuals are looking for. A lot of these organizations, um, you know, hiring managers, HR, this is what they're looking for. This, this, this is their, their checklist of what they're looking for. Um, I think what's also important is, did you volunteer? You can just quickly, you know, just list that. And I think another thing that's really important is, again, if you're a fresh new hire, your clinical practicum experiences. So your clinical rotations, your clinical practicum experiences, where were you, what city or, you know, the city slash province, as well as the time period that you were there and maybe just briefly list you know a few of the things that you did during your you know your practicums uh, that might be really really helpful as well um, i think another thing is is that are you multilingual they usually look for people that are you know bilingual multilingual it usually helps especially when you're providing care for patients um, they usually acknowledge that quite a bit um, does that up up your game a bit uh, a little bit yeah um, but again, you know, you still have to have the qualifications that they're looking for. Again, basic life support is a big requirement for almost all nursing positions. You need to have that 100%. Cool. So doing a little bit more than just the standard schooling. So little certifications like, like life support or, or um, volunteering. Um, languages are always good, though it's kind of hard for someone to pick up a language quickly. Um, so hopefully they'll uh they can use that to their advantage um and that'll help them become a little bit more competitive uh within the, the job search so if someone now has an interview and say hey we're, we want to bring you in for an interview next tuesday or whatever date is then uh, what would you suggest for folks to do to kind of prepare for that interview and and, and do in that interview so okay so you got called for an interview so again congratulations so now this is the next step to get in so the things that you need to understand are some interviews, some of the interviews that I had to go through um, required a written test. Okay. And some of them also required a small clinical simulation um, post interview or prior to the interview. So, you know, you want to get information on that. And of course, they'll disclose that to you um, prior to, you know, that you'll have to write an exam or you'll have to write a test. Um, so that's usually for more specialized positions and they would expect that you have the background and the knowledge so it's a test that they will have one of their um clinical practice leaders or their educators grade that test um but if you if you're just having a generalized interview what you do need to be prepared for is print extra copies of your resume just in case um you know have a cover letter ready um you know make sure you pick out what you're going to wear uh, find out the location exactly of the organization you want to arrive early you don't want to be late if you're going to be late call them let them know what's going on you're stuck in traffic um you know did the train break down whatever the case is you have to be completely honest because that's something that they really appreciate cool. honesty is very important um and that can also you know give off um vibes about your character um but if you're going to be having an interview coming up again, you want to find out, you know, what is the position for? Where is it at? Um, if it's a part time, casual, temporary or full time permanent position, um, you know, some of the questions they might ask during an interview are basic questions like, um, you know, they'll usually ask, tell me about yourself. I'm reading your resume here. Tell me about yourself. You did a practicum over at Sick Kids. What did you do there? You went to uh, Ryerson or you went to U of T Bloomberg School of Nursing. How did you like it? 
you know, things like that. What was your favorite class? What was your favorite course? What was your least favorite course? Why? They might just want to get to know you as a person. Um, They'll obviously see that you have a copy of your license. They'll want a license number. You can take you can take a photocopy of your license and bring it in if you want in a small little folder. Um, but they're probably going to be retrieving that. And when you apply online, they'll probably ask for your license number. They will definitely ask for that. Um, but other questions they'll probably ask is definitely about conflict resolution. So they'll probably ask questions like along the lines of, have you ever gotten into a dispute with somebody and if so, how was that resolved? Or describe a time where you, you know, were involved in a conflict and how, how did you go about that? How did, you, how did you work together to resolve that conflict? So that's something that they're really looking for because of course, in any world what's, which is not ideal, no matter what um, profession you choose, there's always going to be conflict. Right. So they wanna see your capabilities in terms of how you're able to resolve the smallest things to the biggest things. It's all about challenge because nursing in itself is a very challenging profession at hand. It's not only mentally and sometimes emotionally challenging, but it can also be physically challenging too, especially if you're working in a very fast paced environment like myself who works in uh, emergency trauma resuscitative services. Um, I think another thing that, um, you know, they, they'll definitely ask and a and several things they may ask are clinical based uh, questions like they'll give you a scenario about a patient and they'll say, OK, so this is what's happening to the patient. So you as the nurse, what are you going to do? Or you notice some abnormal labs. Can you explain why these labs are abnormal and what do you think the expected treatment is, what the nursing interventions are and what are the expected medical interventions are? So, you know, these are things that you obviously would have known um, not only through nursing school and through studying through your academia, but you know, it's, it's um, a bit of a boost when you study for your NCLEX exam. Cool. So just out of curiosity, so you mentioned uh, know what you, you're going to wear. What, what, are, what do you typically wear? Like it's, it's not a necessarily clinical setting. Is it, is it more like a business set setting where you're wearing like, a, like a, a suit type of thing? Or is it more like a, as if you're in the hospital? Uh, I'm, I'm just curious. I would not recommend wearing scrubs. Um, I do get that. Yeah. I, I do get if you're really enthusiastic and that's awesome. And thumbs up to all of you out there, you know, who are ready to put those scrubs on and, and get going out in the field. But, you know, this is very professional and you have to show your professional side. So business casual is usually um, recommended. So if for the gents out there, you know, suit, tie, um, you know, dress pants, uh, dress shirt, tie, um, if you don't want to wear a tie, that's fine. Dress, dress shoes, dress pants, dress shirt. For the ladies, I would say uh, be very um, mindful of what you're going to be wearing. You know, don't over glamorize your makeup, you know, um, nice and simple. Um, you know, hairstyle should be very simple. Um, you know, try to be mindful in terms of um you know, appearance, because again, you want to look really professional. Like if you have like 15 earrings on here, again, I think that looks awesome. But again, you have to look at the professional standpoint right. of things. I mean, they are going to be looking at your skills and your abilities, but again, they, they will look at you um, professionally because it is an appearance sometimes um, that's uh, representing representative of their organization. So, you know, you want to kind of keep it nice, cool, calm, and simple. It's a little different when you're hired in, you know, but again, there's also the safety that's involved with wearing a lot of jewelry and things like that when you're working on the job. So, um, you know, just nice and simple. So simple jewelry, um, you know, just maybe one pair of earrings is enough. 
um, you know, a simple hairstyle. Don't over glamorize with the makeup, please. And just, you know, business casual. So like, you know, it could be a dress shirt with a blazer and dress pants and flats, um, you know, not too overpowering colors is my recommendation, like not pastel-y colors. Um, red is a really powerful color. Um, you know, if you're going to be wearing red, um, you know, you might want to consider if you're going to be, you know, is that going to be covered up with a blazer or, you know, what exactly? So normally I would say stay away from the red. I mean, it's, it's an awesome color, but I would just, I would stay away from that. Nice, simple, cool, calming colors, just basic, you know, white, gray, brown, um, you know, maybe a light blue, something like very calming to the eye. Mm -hmm. In your experience, how, how many interviews do you typically go through? Is it just kind of like one with with um, kind of a big panel or are there like different types of interviews that you go through as well, different stages of interviews? Well, from my personal experience, I've had to write exams. I've also had clinical scenarios. Um, they've given me tours of the actual department. So, okay, if you got hired here, this is basically where you'd be working and this is what the department kind of looks like. Um, you know, they um, definitely had, well, at least when I got interviewed, I had a panel of individuals um, interviewing me. So it was typically the manager. Um, it was um, a couple of the advanced practice nurses. The These are individuals that have masters and PhDs. Um, we also have a clinical practice leaders that will interview and HR, individuals from HR as well. Um, sometimes it's also the um, administrative uh, part um, of the department or the team. Um, these are nursing administrators. So they kind of work part of the team in terms of, um, and, and nursing manager, the additional nursing managers, assistant nursing managers that will take part in it. Um, it's technically most of the time a panel. Um, very rarely will you have one individual interviewing you. At most two for, for most entry level positions, maybe two or three. But um, I've had usually panels of individuals. Sometimes I've even had physicians come into the panel and actually ask me questions as well. So that's a rare instance, but I've had that happen to me. Cool. So hopefully you've done well and practiced your interviews and, and gone through that process and then you, you uh, get, get an offer. So congrats to you on that. But what are some other things that you might suggest to folks to kind of improve their chances in the whole job search? Uh, are there any other uh, areas? So, so we talked about talking to folks in your, your curriculum, some of the preceptors that you've had um, in your clinicals and whatever, just to kind of build those, those connections. Um, probably alumni are, are probably uh, a useful source. Are there other suggestions that you'd have on, on for someone who's on the job hunt and trying to uh, kind of increase their probability of landing something? Well, I mean, you could always ask the nurses that are already out there in the field working. Sometimes they might know if there's, you know, a department or the department they're working in, they're hiring. Mm -hmm. Um, again, alumni are an excellent resource to, you know, give you insight on things. So again, those are the alumni, the individuals that are working out in the field. But I think what's really important is, um, and I say this very, um, I say this um, very strongly when I when I say this, it's um, is references. Okay. You need to have a strong reference um, because at the end of an interview, 
a, usually a good sign is can we have some can we have a list of your references they'll send you a form via email or if you have it ready ahead of time you can say here are my references if they say okay well we'll be in touch with you and then you can just give them the references ahead of time but of course you have to contact your references in advance and say i'm applying to a few jobs you know is it okay if i put your name down always get consent prior to and i say this as someone who also gives references because if i get a phone call or an email from somewhere and if i don't remember if i don't honestly remember you um i'm going to be like okay um who is this person again who am i giving a reference for i need to know typically your references will want to know and as someone like i said who gives out references is you know who you are so tell me who you are you know um what is the reference for um so if it's for work who is it that's going to be contacting me and of course i'll give a mode of communication so is it going to be phone or email and what do i expect is it going to be a form i have to fill out are they going to be calling me um is it something i need to email back to them like you know because your references are going to be individuals who are busy people too right. right they're individuals that are working out there that are doing this that are doing that so you know you want to have a strong list of references and typically when they ask for references it's about two to three references that's amazing and i think that goes back to when you are in those clinicals uh really take the time to uh manage expectations understand what expectations are make a good impression do your job <laughs> and then do it well um because when when people see when people remember you uh and hopefully they remember you for for the right things <laughs> not not on the screw-ups or anything then that's when references can actually be good so i think that's uh great uh, advice and, and words of wisdom so i think we've uh, covered a lot of uh information in this um, podcast on on how to get a job as a nurse. Are, are there any other kind of parting remarks or different things that you might want to suggest to folks as they uh, are on the job search for um, finding a, a role in nursing? So I actually have a few things. Okay. So a quick few things are when you're out in your clinical practicums, make a good rapport with the staff there because you never know, you might get hired in there, you might have to end up working with them. Um, work as if you know, you're really dedicated and committed to it because people are going to be watching you, um, especially as a student, especially in your final year, um, because you're going to be completely, well, not completely on your own. You're going to still have your preceptor watching and, and kind of hovering and helicoptering a bit. But, um, you know, make sure that, you know, you're 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 doing a good job, like you said, but you, you want to make the impression that, you know, you're someone that's dedicated and committing uh, to the profession. And of course, to your patients, that's really important. You know, if you're doing this profession, you have to make sure this is something you really want to do and that you're really out there to help somebody who's in need, you know, um, because tomorrow that could be you, right? And you'd want the same treatment back in return as well. So have a good rapport with the staff, the nursing manager, and of course your professors, because sometimes as new um, grads, you know, if you don't have a reference, um, say, if your preceptor moved far away, and you don't have like you've lost contact with them, it happens. Um, you know, the, the the faculty advisor or professors are individuals that can probably speak on your behalf and your performance and everything. Um, the other thing I also just wanted to state was, um, I was uh, going to actually mention the useful programs for individuals to use to study. Right. So again, it could be your, uh, for your NCLEX exam that is. So it could be your textbooks. Um, it could be um, a book called Saunders. That's a really thick one. So you're probably gonna need um, a few months to study that one. That one is filled with information, lots of useful information. It's a great resource even to look at after you're done writing the NCLEX exam just for reference. Um, 
if you're if you're really stuck on time, there's um, I believe there's the um, Kaplan. Kaplan is an online resource. They also have books too um, that you can use. Um, and then there's Mark Climac, the audio. Um, you can look the, you can look them up online. I think those are also available. And another one that's really good is UWorld. UWorld is an excellent resource that will give you the style of the questions. Um, it'll explain the rationales behind the answers, um, why you got what you got incorrect versus correct. And remember, please don't worry about your, you know, the score that you get at the end of these practice tests, because what matters is that you understand the material. Don't worry about the score. I know it's natural, it's a natural anxiety that we all have, but don't worry about numbers. Worry about what you're studying, why you're studying it, the rationale behind it is really important and that's how you can apply your critical thinking and then when the exam comes up you'll find that the uh, the questions are actually much more easier than what you were studying for so that's just my word and piece of advice for everybody i think that's amazing and yeah really going for the learning versus the the grade or the the number that you get i think is is the most important thing because uh, when you do it for the learning then the numbers just naturally increase on their own so I think that's great and, and good luck to all those that have graduated or are headed towards to taking their <laughs> NCLEX exam and uh, going to venture out into the working world and, and join uh, the nursing profession. So congrats for all the people who are there and uh, yeah, best of luck. And hopefully you found some useful information in this podcast. Thanks a lot, Aram, for joining us again and hopefully we'll see you in a future episode. Okay, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.